And welcome back to the For Film Site Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Sheet, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about Children of Men. Yeah, yeah. But before we get to any of that, ketchup, condiments... Speaking of ketchup and condiments, what, yeah. what, is, what is that that you're drinking in the, um, uh, the tea? In the, it's uh, uh, essentially green coffee. Okay. <laughs> it's matcha, like mm. matcha tea. Mm-mm, what's it's, that? Uh, it, it's, I don't know if the plant is called matcha, but the product is called matcha green powder. Okay. And essentially, you, it's like caffeine-loaded herbal tea. Oh, nice. That's like, it's like Japanese. It's like a healthier version of like uh, coffee or something, maybe? Not healthier. Mm. I just enjoy it more it than okay. actual coffee. Yeah. Um, but it's really fucking good, and I make a matcha green tea lattes. Okay, and like just mm, fucking divine. Hell yeah, love that shit. I was I was looking at it, I was th- like it reminded me of pesto. I was like, <laughs> is there like a pesto drink <laughs> out there? You would fucking love that. I right? would. I sure would. <laughs> just gossle that shit down. Damn right. So I guess we can make pesto butter. Yeah, I definitely forgot about that. Hell yeah, I can. Like I just had that realization. I gotta make pesto again. Pesto Please is do. fucking good. You make great pesto. It's Thank really you. Good. I'll definitely drop you um, some of that pesto. Um, yeah, so we're trying a new setup, and we were trying it last week too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just switched out um, softwares. Yes. And it's exciting, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's really something really looking, different. Yeah. Li- really been liking uh, just playing around with sound engineering and all that. Yeah. Because um, I used to suck so badly. Oh, goodness. It used to be so bad. <laughs> yeah. And now it's just kind of like, not like now it's gotten to the point where I've like fidgeted around enough that I notice when someone has a bad mix yeah, or something. You can hear it. It's just like, ooh, that sounds rough. Yeah. That sounds rough. Oh, yeah. And like, actually, last episode, mm-hmm. I'm pretty convinced that it sounded crispy as fuck. Yeah, it did. Like, last episode sounded good. It did. I, yeah, I heard so it. So I'm really, really happy with the new setup and like the new things that are doing. Nice. 2019. 2019. Going to be a great year. It is. Going to take a sip it, of my green coffee. Hell yeah, man. Well, I mean, there was there was some movies that I got to catch up on this week from what we talked about last week. Well, a specific movie, um, Upgrade. Oh yeah, it what was in a, it was in Jonathan's top list. Uh, I got the paper here. Don't know exactly where it made it on Jonathan's list. It was his number nine movie. Yeah, but um, I seen Upgrade. I think it was in your honorable mentions uh, too. Yeah, they're making my honorable mentions. Yeah. It was just a super fun sci-fi flick for me. It really was. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Like I, I'd recommend it. It um the um the stem is the um the upgrade that we're talking about in the movie. Mm-hmm. It uh, upgrades you. It's basically like a super smart computer, as you know. But, right, um, but it's like in, in your neck. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, in your spine. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like it's controlling you. It has control over you, whatever. So like the movie, the stem got a little cheesy for me. The action scenes seemed a little cheesy, but I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. And by the time I got to the end of the movie, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I knew you would because yes. like that ending is like your prime ending. Where oh, like nothing great happens. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's sad. Yep. Most people are dead. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you know me very well. That is, I loved that. It's just like, everybody's fucked. This yep. is great. Yep. <laughs> everybody's fucked. This is great. <laughs> yep. Exactly the content that I paid for. Yes. Um, very much. Yeah, no, Upgrade was a super fun sci-fi film. Sci-fi film. My favorite part, mm-hmm. like the plot is nothing too, like it's nothing amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty standard. Yeah. But the way that they did the action sequences oh, was really imaginative. Yeah. And then some of the conceptual like things, like the guy that sneezed and like had nanobots, yeah. or like the guns in the palm of their hands, yeah. that was a really fucking cool yeah. touch. Loading, loading their guns inside their bicep, the, <laughs> yeah. the bullets in the biceps. <laughs> Take a lot of these guns. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was just like those concepts were pretty fucking great. Oh, I really, yeah. I really like that film. And yeah. also, I like this is this is a specific effect that they did, mm-hmm. where like it looks like GoPro footage, yeah. where like it's attached to the actor. Mm. Who the fuck is the actor? It's not Brady, isn't it? I don't know that guy. He looks name. a lot like Brady. 
Brady? Uh, like Tom Brady. Oh, oh Tom like Brady. Tom Hardy. <laughs> Tom Hardy. Tom oh, okay. Tom Hardy. Uh, the actor is Tom Hardy, right? Yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it looks a lot like Tom Hardy. Yeah. Um, anyway, film, but yeah. like the where like the camera's attached to him as mm. he moves in the action sequence. So yeah. like every like he's always in the center frame. Yep. That was a really cool effect. I it really was. That. It was. Um, they did a lot of fun things. There Underrated was, movie. At one point where I thought that I was watching the wrong movie, there was a movie where it shot entirely um in POV of the main character. That's Harcourt Henry. Harcourt Henry. Yeah. I thought that I might have been watching that for a second, you know, because of the uh, the shots. Then I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, no, it's not that. No, it's not that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a surprisingly fun pick for 2018. Yeah. Um, did I watch anything? Did you watch anything else? Um, yeah. Um, a movie called Super Troopers. Super Troopers. Oh, yeah. Well, not, Troopers. Not, well not the first one. The okay. Super Troopers, the first one, is very good. It's funny. It's a good movie, and it's a very funny movie. Did they reboot it? Is that what happened? They made, they made a Super Troopers 2 that came out in um, the summer of 2018, and it's already it was already on HBO by December of 2018. Just to let you know how great of a movie that was. Yeah. You know, like six months later, it's on HBO. But I watched it last night. Nope. No, but not good. Nope. I mean, it's a funny movie, but it's not a good movie. Right. And I was having this this discussion with um, a few people that aren't super into movies, and they don't really get the um, like the the distinguishable. The, how how can you tell the difference between a good movie and a funny movie? Right. Like, uh, have you seen the movie Friday? I believe no. I've seen it, but I it, remember yeah. it vaguely. Well, yeah. like uh, there's a movie Friday. It's a classic, especially like among black culture. But it's mm-hmm. a classic movie, and it's a really good movie. It's also kind of funny. Right. But then there's a follow up called Next Friday. Mm-hmm. Next Friday is way funnier, but it's not a better movie. It's <laughs> it's funny. It's funnier, but not better. Right. It's got more jokes, but not necessarily better quality. Exactly. Very yeah. much. Same thing with Bad Boys or Bad Boys Two. If anybody's seen that with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, the first movie mm-hmm. is very good, very good movie, and kind of funny. Bad Boys Two, way funnier. Way right. funnier. Is it a better movie? Nope. Right. <laughs> you know, but do you yeah. think that part of that is just because like the first movie happened first and it broke the boundaries um, of like that would have been there? Like if the second movie had come out first, mm. we think the second movie is a better movie than the first movie. Uh, I don't know. Like I, the only I don't have many things. Like when I think about Toy Story, like there's not many movies. And we did a movie a, a, a episode on sequels. You know about Elder. Oh, that was a really early episode. Hell yes, like no. first ten episodes or so. <laughs> yeah. So like there aren't many examples to where I can say a sequel was better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't I don't know if just because it came out first that I think it's a better movie is just the type of movie that it is. Right. Like Toy Story three. I mean, Toy Story. The Toy Stories have gotten progressively better. Better with every yeah. release. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird having that argument with someone of better movie versus funnier movie, and people think the funnier movie because it's a comedy it means it's a better movie. But right. you know, no, nah, not not always the case. No, um, fun. Uh, yeah, I don't think I watched anything um, in terms of like movies and anything mm-hmm. like that. I've just been consuming video games. Okay, what game? I bought uh, I bought Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. It's uh, like a platformer. It's like a Dark Souls 2D platformer, oh, essentially. God, no. Um, Dark Souls was the m- hardest game I've ever played in my life. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I got, uh, every time I play the game, I get through like an hour. I make like an hour of progress, and I've been playing the same file for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that actually sounds all right, though. No. Yeah. Um, but like this is a platformer. It's like an indie game, and it's like just that level of difficulty and like strat- strategic gameplay. Yeah. But on a 2D platformer, and it's a very cute, aesthetic, gorgeous game. Yeah. So I've been enjoying the shit out of that. And then, of course, playing The Witcher mm-hmm. again. I met the the witch with the white hair. Yeah. Um, she's fucking awesome. Yeah, yes, she is. Um, so and I'm really liking, like, fantasy games. I used to have beef with, beef with them because they tend to sort of undermine female characters and not make them, like, make them sex objects yep. or make them 
not powerful or damsels in distress. Not on Witcher. Fucking Witcher. <laughs> the women are more badass than any of way them more. in that game. Yeah, that's I what I asked them last week. Like, why are we going to save your daughter? She's way more powerful than you. <laughs> like, She's got it under control, man. Like, <laughs> yep. Just let her have it. Let her be. <laughs> yep. um, I fucking, I'm so excited for like a Siri game. Yeah. It's just going to be great. Hell yeah. Um, but like, they're, like, not only are they badass characters, like they can fend for themselves. Yeah. But like story-wise, like their characterization is yeah. like really strong and powerful, and I love all of it. Me too. Uh, so I'm I'm writing Gerald's stick really hard. Gerald's stick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about that. Yeah. And uh, fun news. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Annie have broken out of the cycle. Okay. We're, we're official. Oh, nice. Uh, we're we were we made ourselves Facebook official yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting. Oh, yeah. Shout out to you, Annie. Yeah, I, I liked that on Facebook. I liked that. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. You did. That's how I knew you knew, but yeah. I still wanted to do it on yep. the mics. Definitely so. Just so that it... Fe- it's official. It is official. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just so that it felt like we hadn't seen each other or interacted a lot Oh, the last shit. Week. No, I kind of fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a narrative, Chris. Yeah, we, we have do. to keep up the narrative. <laughs> we, we don't talk outside of the show. Not at all, no. No. <laughs> we is, get here and this is this our catch-up. Yep. This is where we catch up with the week. Yep. Fucking, fucking up my narrative. I'm going to bring Jonathan back. Fire your ass. Jonathan's ass, goddammit, Captain Underpants. Sit, sit, go sit down, Jonathan. I actually met with him yesterday to talk about the notes for his script. Yeah. And, uh, man, that script's really good. I really enjoyed it. I like, I, there's, um, I still got to send him my notes too, but like, yeah, I, I, I talked to him about it. I love the first 12. There's some uh, stuff like in the action and some mm-hmm. other things I want to talk to him about off air, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, definitely. same. Uh, so shout out to you, Jonathan. And uh, shout out to you, Annie. You've been wonderful. And uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of the last few weeks. All right. I've been really chill and happy. I have not been stressed out about anything. That's good. I've just been relaxed and enjoying it. And I fly out to Arizona mm-hmm. on Tuesday yeah. for a job. Mm-hmm. So it's like, things are well, I yeah. guess. I'm doing all right. Hell yeah. It's not bad. Nice. Um, but I haven't watched anything because I've just been fucking being lazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. hey. I mean, I, um, I've been going through some, not going through, mm-hmm. but just like I always try to do this balancing and you know how I always go like hardcore one area mm-hmm. and then hardcore the other area, right? you know, and then that's my balance, you know, my yin yang and um, I'm back there, but well, not back there. I'm just trying to find a way to have like um, healthier, what would I say? Like a healthier reward system, Okay. you know, because like um, I'll, I'll do things that I was like, okay, this is something that I don't want to do and I'll make myself do it. And after I do that, then I get something that I want. But the way that I reward myself isn't healthy. You know, so it's like, well, because I did this, this that I didn't want to do, now I get to go drink and, you know, drink myself to and sleep. Do the whole thing, or yeah. I get to go smoke weed until I, you know, pass out or whatever. Or I just get to go eat five double quarter pounders, you know. Which, you know what I'm saying? Which, honestly, five double quarter pounders is a great reward for anything. It's, it's, a, it's a reward. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's like, not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Kill you. you know, but it's just like, those are the things that it's like, like okay, I do one thing, and then I get this thing. So I'm trying to find a way to where the, my reward system isn't as damaging to me in the long term okay but um that's what i'm wrestling with right now though but does that mean like uh finding better rewards for your system or does that mean restructuring the way that you accept those rewards exactly restructuring it and um what i find what i deem what i what i get happiness from where can Mm -hmm. i glean happiness from so like before like i'm going on this hike before i would look look at going on a hike like okay this is something that i have to do i'm spending time with my girlfriend not like a job or a chore Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily something that i'm choosing to do with my free time right so because i'm doing that now i can have five hours to myself at home to you know, like I said, drink a lot and play video games. Right. And it's like, I enjoy doing that, but how about I just play the video games without getting slap ass drunk? Yeah, that you makes know? sense. But yeah, how to like how to mandle your like sobriety while doing yeah. activities and doing all of that, all yeah. the healthier shit. Yep. Hell yeah, man. I'm 
Happy to hear that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hope that's going well. I mean, it, it will. I mean, it's like it, right. one way or another, I'll balance it out. But, you know, it's you're just trying new things. It's just like the this. period of discovery. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's exciting. It is. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the thing I'm excited about is just like getting older every year and discovering new things about yourself and thinking that you might have had a system in place like this works. But like, no, this works for now, you right. know, <laughs> because you're going <laughs> to grow and change and that's not going to work anymore. You know, so, um, yeah, just going through a new phase, I guess. The, yeah, the adjustment periods yep. is, is always interesting. Yep. I felt like I, I haven't had that particular thing, but, like, from 20 to 23, mm. there's such a difference in personality. Yeah. From, like, what that guy was versus what I am now. Yeah. That, like, what that guy did just seems absolutely ridiculous for, like, 23-year-old me. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, all right, so now I'm, I'm in the process of, like, finding things that I enjoy doing that are not the things that I've been doing for the last, yeah. like, two years, too. Yeah. And that's a really fascinating process. Hell yeah. Because there's a lot of things you end up doing and you're just like, why the fuck did I do this? Yeah. I completely agree with that. <laughs> and like that moment of just like leaving an activity and just going like, fuck that. Never going to do that again. <laughs> it's yeah. just fucking like that is my favorite moment out yeah. about self-discovery. Mm. Just a fuck moment. It's great. Yeah. Um, turns out, oh, I forgot. I was also in Atlanta. Okay. I went to Atlanta on Friday. All right. You're from Atlanta, right? Well, my family lives there, but Your I'm from Charlotte. Well, okay. So, you've been in Atlanta a sizable amount of time. Yes, yes, oh yeah. What the fuck is up with Atlanta traffic? I mean, it's one of the biggest cities in the United States. What? I, I get it, <laughs> yeah. I get it. It's one of the biggest cities in the States. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. The traffic is disgusting. Yep. You're like, your streets, mm-hmm. like, Charlotte is a, is a relatively, like, small city. Definitely. Yeah. It's like yeah. small, right? Yeah, oh yeah. But our streets, mm-hmm. fucking straight. Uh, you know, 77 is yeah. going, but it's a little curvy. It's a little curvy. Oh, you mean like straight, like just straight? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like okay, you yeah. just you just go from one place and okay. then you move straight into lines. the other. Yeah, generally a straight line. Oh no, maybe a curve or three. Atlanta, we got a thing called Spaghetti Junction. Yeah, to where you, it's just a big circle and loop and loop, and it goes way up in the air. And there's just like one of those is a number of just going in a circle up in the air. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. So you have that shit, mm-hmm. but also like just like right in the outskirts of the city, mm-hmm. there's this weird thing where like you have like five lanes of cars. Yep. Right, but then the 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 first lane on the left yeah. is a lane that is like an U turn, but not actually a U turn. Mm. It just looks like a U turn, mm. but it takes you seventy five degrees to the left mm. versus the lane on the immediate right of it, which takes you sixty degrees to the left. Mm. And then you just kind of like your GPS says take take a left, and you're just like, do I take an U turn? Do I take a seventy five degree left, or do I take a sixty degree left? Mm. They all lead to very different places. Yes, and I will get lost. All of the time, people honk at you. People just walk in the middle of the street. Yeah. Like, people just don't care about their lives in Atlanta, Man. apparently. Mm. They see a car, and they go like, well, I'm fucking like, walking. You're not going to hit there. me. Shit, I'm yeah, like, sue your ass. What's up? <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? Like, I left Atlanta just mm. thinking, going, what the fuck was that? Mm? That is an entire city of people that have cumulative, cumulatively agree to suck at driving. You know? Uh, it's just like, like What? I, I, I enjoy driving in Atlanta so much more than I do in, in Charlotte. Well, uh, a thousand times more. You're also kind of like a more aggressive person. Yes. So like that, <laughs> Atlanta definitely benefits like an aggressive driver. Yeah. Charlotte is just kind of like, all right. Because yeah. we're going in a straight line. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, you might have to take a left Anywhere. and then take a right yeah. five seconds away from each other. And if you don't, you're going to end up in like bumfuck nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then you just get to your destination 20 minutes late because you, fu- you missed a fucking 70 degree right yeah. instead of a 20 degree right. Yeah. Fuck that. So what do you want to do? You want to be on 85? You want to be on 75? You want to be on uh, 285? You want to be on 40? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they got so many different Take lanes. Your pick. Take yeah. your pick. Fucking, yeah. So I love Atlanta. It's yeah. a wonderful city. Yeah. It's great. The yeah. apartments that we looked at over there for the move are mm-hmm. fantastic. Nice. What, what um, part of uh, Atlanta? 
we're fuck right. It's a it's a we're the apartment is near Perimeter Mall. Perimeter, okay, yeah, I'm which is that's like, expensive as shit, bro. Wow. It's a little expensive. Well, a the little range, expensive. It's a little expensive, but with three roommates, it becomes manageable. Okay. Um. So like, we're looking into those. Um, Sheesh. But we were looking at that area because um, that's just like where the school is, like yeah. the area of Atlanta is. Yeah. And uh, I just really fucking like we're like like the apartment that we looked at is like right next to I eighty five. Yeah. Um. So it's like getting to Atlanta and then drive twenty minutes and you're into the yeah. fucking apartments. Oh yeah. Um. Which is fucking great. And so we're looking at that area right now. And then, but he also, we also went, I think it's called Midtown. Midtown, It's yeah. like a little bit more in the center, I yeah. guess. Hence the name, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we spent some time in Atlanta. It's a really good place. Yeah. I really like it. Um, weird fucking place. Weird fucking place to drive yeah. in. It's yeah. just fucking yeah. asinine to drive. Disgusting. All right. But everything else is great. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, Perimeter, Perimeter Mall. That's, that's, that's the best mall that we have in Atlanta mm-hmm. besides Lenox Mall. Right. Lenox Mall and Perimeter Mall are the best that we have, but yeah. Perimeter is, perimeter is dope. Like, living in that area, I never look for places to live because I was by myself for the most part. But with three people, yeah, you can pull yeah, that off. Yeah, you, you could really, you could probably do it. Like yeah. the, the range that we're looking at is like 1,500 to 1,600. Yeah. I just absolutely smacked the shit out of this table. Yeah, yeah. Ow. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like 1,600 to like like 1,500. So okay. We're doing that, figuring yeah. that shit out. Hell yeah, man. Um, That's all that I've been, since last week, that's most of what I've been up to. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, rewatch Hereditary actually. Nice, fucking still a great. Film. That's a great movie. Not so good. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think that's all I got, man. Me too. Yeah. Pretty uneventful week. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I'm gonna cut, and then we'll talk about Children of Men and uh, after the music. You know the drill. Yeah, you know the fucking drill. Dun, 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 dun. All of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back, guys. Hey. And welcome back, uh, Chris. Do your thing. All right. Uh, this movie is Children of Men. It's a rated R. It uh, came out in 2006. It's listed as a drama fantasy with a one hour and 54 minute runtime. The rundown is when infertility threatens mankind with extinction and the last child born has perished, a delusion bureaucrat, played by Clive Owen, who did an amazing job, uh, becomes the unlikely champion in the fight for survival of Earth's population. He must face down his own demons and protect the planet's last remaining hope from danger. Uh, the writer-director is uh, Alfonso Cuaron. 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 Alfonso Cuaron. He's the uh, the guy that directed Roma and um, Gravity, a few others. Itu Mama Tambien, we were talking about him last week. He's an amazing director. Amazing. One of yeah. the best that we got out there. It uh, stars Julianne Moore, Clive Owen, and I'm not going to be able to say the last guy's name. is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, he's the... He's South African or African? Some, yeah, he's, like yeah, he's yeah. African, but yeah. But yeah, um, that is... Also did a great job. Yo, yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah, man, this movie... Is, so, so this movie is one of those movies that, like, I've always been in my eye, mm-hmm. but I never actually sat down and watched because I heard so many people talk about them yeah. that you kind of feel like you already know the movie. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, definitely not the case. <laughs> like, yeah. I sat down and watched a movie finally, and I was just like, oh, this is not the movie that everyone tells me that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a like, of course, Alejandro Cuarón is an amazing, yes, oh yeah, amazing fucking director. He knows yeah. where to put the camera, definitely. And uh, I want to talk more specifically about camera later, mm-hmm. but I think that um, what a fucking great like premise for a film, yeah, of like starting at humanity's extinction, mm-hmm. and then the first pregnant woman shows up, mm-hmm. like. That's fucking. That's a, like a high concept right there. Definitely. And also the way that he plays it, because it's it, this is a movie like that's riddled with 
cynicism. The main character is just a cynic. He's yep. depressed. Yep. He doesn't really want to deal with the world. He thinks everything's mm-hmm. gone to shit. It has, yeah. yeah. So it's a movie about like how the loss of hope yep. has affected humanity mm-hmm. and then how the regaining of that hope will hopefully affect humanity once again. Yep. And and that's a really like it's not a really spe- like it's a specific emotional tonality that the movie goes through. Yeah. And I think that the world and, and this is a this is a thing that is really hard for movies to get right, mm-hmm. I feel, where like your main character has a specific worldview. Mm-hmm. They're affected by the world in a specific way. Yeah. And then as he starts changing that outlook and that perception, the world around them starts so change to change well. with them. Yeah. Um, that's a thing that is really hard to nail down mm-hmm. in film. And I feel like that came through amazingly well in this film. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, it, everything's sort of chaotic and messy and everyone's just minding their own business. You see like refugees being jailed down mm-hmm. and like chased off and it's just a stressful beginning. Yeah. Then by the end of the movie when, because, so the plot of the movie is that they, they have to, Clive Owen's character has to escort a lady through a refugee camp or like through like a gate checkpoint into England, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. And and so they have to do that. And at some point in the film, they have to be, get arrested to be able to actually make it through the checkpoint mm-hmm. to be smuggled into where they needed to go to get to a boat that is holding like the human project, like yeah. a fertility project or something. Yep. And uh, wow, that was a chaotic <laughs> summary of that film. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the idea is that they have to make it through a fertility project mm-hmm. so that um, humanity can find survive. ways to survive yeah. the extinction that's happening to them. Um, and throughout that journey, Clive Owen's character mm. um, starts becoming so much more sympathetic towards the people around him. Yeah. After going through his own tragedy as in, and his own loss. And mm-hmm. yeah, All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, hey. Fucked up. Press enter by accident. Right. Um, it happens. Um, but what was he saying? Yeah, Clive Owen's journey... Mm through that plot it's just really well like stamped into the journey itself like oh, yeah. the emotional journey is really well planned out there's a um like a cliche term that um i like to live by too it's um like and there's a michael jackson song the, the man in the mirror mm-hmm. or if you want to change the world then start with yourself mm-hmm. it's very sappy and just seems like bullshit but it's like in reality there is truth to it and we see something with that with Clive Owen is when you change yourself then you change the way that you view the world around you and in a way perception kind of becomes reality yeah you know because just I don't know that there's a thing called in psychology having a, a case study mm-hmm. you know when, you, when you're observing things around you but just you being there you know changes the outcome of what you're observing yeah. so by him changing his behavior just him changing and being in the environment changes something even in the most minute level and like you were saying his personality changed him not being as much of a cynic um, changes throughout the movie because one of the biggest reasons uh, he becomes that way is because of his child Dylan that him and Julianne Moore had 20 years prior to the movie mm-hmm. and they lost the baby yep. and ever since that he's just become somewhat of an alcoholic you see him pouring himself liquor pretty often in the movie and I loved at the end when his hope is back reestablishing the baby is being born he pours out all of his liquor onto Into his, his hands, hands. Yeah, yeah, to sterilize his hands to, to, give, to uh, help birth the baby so I mean I, I love what you were talking about earlier just that how uh, Alfonso was able to show that him changing and the world changing around him 
Um, another thing, uh, I want to give a shout out to one of our former teachers at uh, AI, Bessie Adut. Mm -hmm. She kept saying to watch this movie, and it's one of the best movies she's ever seen. And I didn't really have much faith in her as right. a human at the time. So I didn't. I mean, it's, just, it's real shit. I fuck right. with you, Bessie, and I'm going to recommend that you listen to this. But at the time, I didn't really know what to think about it. And then she showed a clip during class, and it's where, for me, where the movie really starts. It's when um, they're inside the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they're when Julianne's in the car and the uh, the pregnant lady who we don't know is pregnant yet, and they're all in the car and they're they're going off. Mm -hmm. And that shot is that that's that's a one shot as well. It is, a, it? It is a proper one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of oneers that I want to get to. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about camera stuff at the end, whatever. But um, but yeah, that's where the movie really started for me. I start I tried to watch this movie first on my own. In the first 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, I thought I was watching sci-fi. What the fuck is going on? Why is it so slow? You know, it's just it wasn't what I was expecting. But by the time you get to that car scene that is amazing and I, I love another thing that i love look a little touch that uh, that he did was putting the pregnant lady behind the driver yeah you know because um i don't whether people know or not the safest place supposedly to be in the car is behind the driver because when the driver if they're going to be in a wreck the driver is going to protect themselves first and their side of the car first and she's sitting directly behind the driver right you know to be in and it's like if you don't know that she's pregnant it's just a person in the back seat with her headphones on you don't know what's going on Another thing that I really liked that they did was setting up the relationship between Clive and Julianne Moore. Like, you don't really see them making out or kissing or really referencing their relationship at all. Mm -hmm. But um, the first thing that we see is um, when um, he gets kidnapped and brought into that room and has the uh, the mask or whatever taken off of his mm -hmm. head and he sees her and he was like, that picture that the police keep showing of you doesn't really do you justice. It was like, oh, bow. Okay, they know each other. There's a history between them. Right. You know, and... Um, then later on when they're in the car and she's referencing things that they used to do back when they were younger and they do the ping pong ball thing. Yep. Then I was like, oh, okay, they've been intimate. They've been in a relationship. Like they're, you know, swapping spit almost, you know, right. a little bit. And nobody in the, in the car is willing to do that with them. Just right. the, those two. It was, it was one of those, uh, like that was the relationship between them had weird pacing for me, mm -hmm. but I know why it had it. It's yep. not the movie's fault. No. It's that I watched the scene in the in the truck mm -hmm. where she goes like, that picture doesn't do justice. Mm -hmm. And then I checked my phone and I had a text message. Yeah. And then by the time that I got to the car, it felt like I had missed part of the context. So oh. I had to go back and like I had to rewatch what I missed. Yeah. Um, so like my first impression of that relationship was just like, that was weird pacing. Mm. But then immediately after I was just like, oh, I'm just an idiot. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that uh, the movie like has a very, it's not a very slow buildup, mm. but it, it shows you how, how chaotic the world has become yeah. in the amount of time that uh, humanity has been infertile. Yep. And uh, I like the way that it starts. It starts on a black screen and then you just hear these reports of uh, terrorists mm. and the British military has decided to keep its its borders, borders closed. closed. Yep, and like they're the last like functioning government in the entire world. Right, mm -hmm. and like those things seems like really tiny bits of information, but like they really set you up to understand what's happening later on in the movie. Because yeah. when, all right, so British government has been isolationist; they don't allow refugees. This yep. is part of the bigger plot. Yeah, but there it's information that's delivered very very quietly mm. to you and very very not subtly because they push it in your face but yeah. like you don't consciously think about it until it becomes relevant yeah um so i really like that mm. i like the fact that it starts on a black screen and then the first shot that we get is um clive owen standing in a bar yep. listening to the telly mm -hmm. and he's not even in the foreground he's not even in the background nope. he's like right in the midground right just with the blending just blending in yep. and that is also what I really, really, really like, apart from anything else, mm. I really, really loved 
how inconspicuous Clive Owen's character is mm. and how easily he just blends into a crowd of people and a populace of people. Yeah. There's nothing particularly special about him. No. He's just the dude that this thing landed on. Yeah. And then he's the one that has to deal with it. Yep. And the camera work really reflects that. And, mm. it also, and I think that also reflects um, his cynicism because he becomes a character yep. that wants to blend in and doesn't want to get involved yeah. to become the guy that literally cannot help but stand out yeah. in, in a conflict, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I and those are it's just like a really nice thematic journey for Clive character, Clive's character. They they did something with his uh, his cigarette habit as well. They um he's sitting there smoking cigarettes, and then uh, one scene where they get to like the barn area, mm-hmm. he lights up another one. And we've seen him smoke up like five or six cigarettes, yeah. you know, within before we get to that point. And he was like, "Hey, do you want one?" He was like, "No, man, those those things will kill you, mate." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he just continues on. But by the time we get to the halfway point and where you see his hope regaining a little mm-hmm. bit more, he doesn't spark up another cigarette. No, and actually he gives them away mm-hmm. right at that point to Machi Ma- Machri. I can't. Yeah, yeah, Mar- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he gives them away to her, yep. uh, but which is uh, like the halfway point of the movie. You know that he's changing because he's given up all of those vices yep. for the sake of the the child. Yeah, the child. That's yeah, being hope. born, yeah. which is like plays back to his own son and, yep. and that thing. Yeah. So like, really, the child is really what, like, he has a journey from the moment before the child is born. Yeah. But that child is the catalyst that ignites the completion yeah. of that emotional journey. And yeah. It's just it's just marked so well in the writing that I it's mean, just oh it's beautiful even like the the end of his emotional uh, emotional journey is uh when he like the, the ultimate signature of hope for him and the the child being named dylan you know yeah. the child that he lost is just ultimate hope for him to where he's just whether i live or die it doesn't matter what happens i know that this story will continue on and right the story of humanity you know and he was able to let himself go you know after he had that ultimate you know signature of hope there I mean, I just in, I loved his journey so much and what Alfonso did there. And I really like that Quaron didn't give us an ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, to that story. Yep. Like, hopefully, the baby made it into the boat. Yeah. But we don't fucking know. It's it's something that we talk about a lot. Just that mm-hmm. characters existed before the movie and they will exist after the movie, and that's done perfectly here. It's like we know what was going on before and we know what's happening after. We don't know if that one baby specifically made it, but mm-hmm. we know there is an a, a potential ability for other children to be born into the world now. Right. So. And uh, the other like there was a I, I lost my train of thought, but there was a thing that I really enjoyed. Um, with that journey, mm-hmm. and I just completely fucking lost it. Um, so the, never mind. <laughs> there was something that um, that Julianne Moore says to um, says to uh, mm-hmm. Clive Owen's character. He's like, she's like, you know that that ringing in your ear, that that's the sound of your ear ear cells dying. Like it's like the swan song. Once it's gone, you'll never hear that frequency again. Enjoy it while it lasts. You know. And I didn't think much of that until there's um they're inside the car, and then that the flaming car is coming down the hill. It's like hurry up, hurry up! I don't think I'll make it. And then they stop right before, and they realize they're not going to make it. They're backing up in reverse as fast as they can. Got a guy on a motorcycle and shoots Julianne Moore. And before that, we just hear chaos. You know, there's dogs barking, there's people running, there's motorcycles. Mm-hmm. We hear people screaming. It's just nothing but chaos and then two bullets go through the window and then you hear and it goes (laughs) silent a little bit and it was like oh fuck and it was like once that's gone that's the last frequency you'll ever hear and that's you know you you just put her in the mind of julianne moore that's the last thing she's hearing and then that's it for her it was like oh fuck i really you did that um (laughs) (laughs) so uh i want to talk about that car scene specifically Mm -hmm. because it's such a famous shot yeah uh, first of all, cars, they're notoriously difficult to shoot in. Yeah. They're constrained. Yeah, so confined. Space, yeah. Um, 
So, like, I know that the setup that they had to do was, like, they had to cut a hole in the roof and put mm. a whole rig on the roof and mm. allow the camera to move into, the roo- into, like, the roof of the car with, like, diffusion panels mm. and close-up light boxes and all of that shit mm. with, like, manual controls. Like, I know that that shot, that shot alone took so much coordination oh, yeah. to get everything right. Oh, yeah. That that itself makes me appreciate it just for what it is. Yeah. But also, what I really like about that shot is that it starts off as a happy shot. Yeah, it starts off. It, it's a proper long take. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's about two minutes, oh, yeah. maybe three maybe minutes. Maybe three, yeah. Because um, we start in the car and we don't really notice that it's a long shot. Mm-hmm. But they're started. They're starting to interact like a family. Yeah. In the car, and it's like the first moment of peace that I feel like these characters have had in a in really a long time. Yeah. And then just seeing the camera go around the car very slowly, mm-hmm. very happy. Everybody interacting, laughing, having a good time. Yeah. And then just watch that same shot quickly devolve into chaos mm. and the camera didn't even fucking move no, in terms there. of pacing no the camera's just rotating gently around seeing the chaos happen yeah it got a little frantic but it got frantic because it was chaos outside around of the them. car yeah the camera movement did not get chaotic no and uh apart from like maybe speeding up and slowing down a couple of times mm. um but like just the amazing coordination of like having the car happening having the people come in mm-hmm. uh like to move the camera a little like where the shot where it registers in your mind that the shot happened, who got hit. Yeah. And then in that same shot, move the camera to Clive Owens and see him react to the yes. shot. See his shocked face. And then go back to Julia Moore and have him grab her. And then get the reaction shot of like Key the and driver. Miriam yeah. and the driver. Mm-hmm. And then go back around the entire 360 to see Clive deal with the guy in the bike and all of that. Yeah. Like just the coordination of that scene is delightfully gorgeous. I, I, you know how I feel about action. Mm-hmm. But this, this, the action in this, I mean, at the edge of my seat. And I want to stick with specifically we're on that car scene right mm-hmm. now. But, uh, when, uh, when the motorcycle comes up and he has up the, the gun pointed right into the window, the passenger side window, you're like, oh, fuck. Then he quickly opens the door. The, you know, the guy that's on the motorcycle flips off. The motorcycle flips off. And like I said, this is all in a winner. Yeah. You know, so as this stuff is happening, like that, that shot is amazing. Yeah. Like there's not much, that, that there's nothing that could have done better with that that shot i don't think no. i and i think it takes an ex, a director like quadon mm-hmm. that he knows how to communicate information through movement yeah so well like i, th- I think it takes a director like him to be able to do that shot because yeah. other directors have tried to do that sh- that shot has been wildly imitated yeah in cinema ever since it came out of that movie yeah. and i've never seen it done any better than the original guy yeah. that did it was and that's usually not the case mm. like spielberg has his wanners yeah but eventually someone will come along and then build on what Spielberg has built in. Yep. And this car shot has been one of the only couple of shots that are so uniquely Quaron-esque, you know, that uh, I just fucking love it. I love the identity of that shot. I love how it was like action blended with emotion. And it was it was just delightful. I was trying to think of I was because like when you said a Spielberg, I was mm-hmm. like, who are my favorite directors that I appreciate a winner from? Mm-hmm. You know, besides Alfonso. And then I thought about the movie that I really enjoyed, uh, Birdman. Mm-hmm. And I thought was the name Alejandro Gonzalez. No, that's a uh, that's another guy, Alejandro Gonzalez in Aritu. Um, they're two different dudes. Okay, Alejandro Alfonso. Cu- no, it's not Alejandro. It's Alfonso Cuaron. That's Alfonso Cuaron is this guy. No, no, no I'm talking about the guy that did Birdman. Yeah, different guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying you, you were mentioning Steven Spielberg, and I was yeah. like, who are the guys whose wonders that I really appreciate? So besides Alfonso and Steven Spielberg, uh, this guy right here, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez from No, Doom I mean Burton. that I've been calling, I've been, I've been calling Alfonso Alejandro. 
Because I've been making him up at that Oh, yeah. you've been thinking, okay, I got you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've That's been right. calling Alfonso Alejandro. It's Alfonso Guadagno, Alejandro. Alfa- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, the, uh, Alejandro, he, I love his Warners too. But I mean, yeah, um, as far as uh, Warners, Alfonso probably does the best that I've seen in yeah. any movie. There's a, um, and there's another car scene that's really, really nice too. When uh, they're breaking out of the barn area, Clavo and goes into the room. And then he's telling her, he was like, hey, they already killed so-and-so. They're going to kill me. They just want the baby. You need to come with me. You know, and um, she was like, all right. I'm coming with you. You can do whatever you want to. I'm going. They go to get in the car, and it's just the tension there, you know. And it's like he's sneaking around, getting keys, and they finally push the car down. They all get in the car. They're going down the hill, and then the like the worst character in the movie, the um, the white guy with the long dreaded hair yeah. type of guy, this ass clown. He's chasing the car down, but he's chasing the car down. He has the gun right there. He's like, "Hey, I got a clear shot. Can I take the shot? Can I take the shot?" And the same thing, kind of the door open, or he just kind of pushes him out of the way. I mean, I just I loved those shots from inside of the car. Like those two car scenes were my number two and number three favorite shots of the entire movie. Yeah, no, they were they were absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, so this is a good opportunity to talk about his camera work in general. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever get to see the last? Did you ever get to play the Last of Us? No. Um, okay. So Alejandro, so Alfonso Cuarón's um, camera movement in this game reminds me very intensely of the way that that game looked mm. in the cutscenes. Um, it's his camera work is very video gamey okay. in this movie. Yeah. Which and by that I mean that it it very closely follows the action when it's on that Warner Warner. Yeah. It's it's like a camera that's locked on Clive Owen's shoulder. It looks mm. like a third person game camera. Yeah. And. Uh, when we see him sneaking around, and he and, and that shot where he sneaks around outside of the house, mm-hmm. that's those are two Warners in close succession. We have him where he's gonna walk out to see what's happening, mm-hmm. and then hides in the kitchen to to like hear the conversation that yep. goes outside to the window and hears everything that happened. Yep. And like that's a one shot, yep. and then it cuts uh, to him walking into the girls' room, and mm-hmm. then we have another one shot. Yep. Um, those like sneaking one shots, mm-hmm. the tension that is built in those sections of the film yeah. is unparalleled. Like, I absolutely love the way that that came through because mm-hmm. the camera becomes this oppressive force yeah. when, like, he's walking forwards and then he realizes, oh, shit, I can't go that way. Mm-hmm. So instead of the camera moving forwards with him, the camera stays back and then he moves into the camera. Yeah, And it's just kind of like, oh, fuck, like, we're with him in there. Like, we're, it's not we're like there. we're following him. Mm-mm. It's just the camera is an entity that is in that room, yep. and the camera has to sneak away as much as he has to sneak away. Yeah, and uh, that feeling is—it's just like a really intense feeling of immersion, mm-hmm. and especially for someone that plays video games, because that is the feeling of a camera during those video games. Yeah. It's tracked very closely. Yeah. You're in the action. You have to interact to get away. Yeah, and this is one of the first—not the one of the—not one of the first, but one of the few movies that I've gotten that exact same feeling from yeah. out of watching, just watching something. The, uh, speaking of video games, mm-hmm. um, that, that same feeling while you were thinking, where you were saying that, and you're going to have to help me with the name because I'm going to fuck this up. Yeah. It came out on PlayStation years ago and they had the thing like the Matrix to where you can kind of stop time and, mm-hmm. sl- and you can shoot a bullet. It's not called Hitman or... No, you're thinking, I think you're thinking about Max Payne. Max Payne, fucking yeah. Max Payne, yes. Love Max Payne. It, it, made, it, made me, it, it makes me think about Max Payne in the way that 
I haven't experienced that kind of tension or anxiety about moments that are about to happen or that I'm mm-hmm. in. There's a, not to get too much of the Max Payne, but in Max Payne, there's a, there's a scene to where it's nothing but black and you're following a small trail of blood or a long trail of blood and you're hearing babies cry and you don't know what's around the next corner and it's just tension, stress the fuck out. At the end of the movie here with the last 30 minutes or so in this movie and you're saying it's just Warners after Warners and uh, you have Clive Owen and the uh, pregnant lady and they're walking through and there's just like a huge it's all going down right now they have like mm-hmm. a parade a parade of guns in the street they're all like whatever i can't i don't know it's what an they're uprising. saying yeah they have the, the whole yeah. uprising is happening they're dead center of it and we're following them with their we'll go through the crowd and like i said the parade is all marching in a straight line and they just go through it and the crowd is when the camera's following them through the crowd and then it right when they get almost get out of the crowd you get a guy that's being on a plank that's being held up by like six or seven people on a plank dead right there and we're still just following them through that mm-hmm. and like that tension is like what I'm saying is just as they're going through that you feel like you're in there with them yeah. it's like that tension of oh shit what's going to happen when we just try to go through all of this and then the uh, the culmination of that towards the end which how, how you say sometimes like um, how you get a little uncomfortable looking at things mm-hmm. this is the first movie or television show or any kind of content that I'm watching that made me so uncomfortable I almost wanted to like pause it or stop or turn away from it <laughs> you know because that that the la- at the end where um, where the pregnant lady is taken and then they have Clive Owen there and it was like hold on wait till we get the uh, the her further away and then do them mm-hmm. from that scene all the way until where they're blowing up the um, the, the building that that um, the lady's in on the top floor yeah. and we're following him like you see people it's just chaos around behind him in front of him he's moving from spot to spot getting into a bus, you know, that is getting shot at from that. It's just so that tense. Ending sequence Oof. of like in that apartment complex, mm. it unrivaled. Like I think it's one of the best moments of cinema. Me too. Unrivaled. Like, it's Me too. amazing. Yep. And like, but it's amazing in a very, it's a complex situation presented very simply. Mm. Like we're just following Clive and we're seeing his reaction to everything. Yeah. And then occasionally the camera moves by itself to show us the chaos that's around. Yeah. But it's mostly focused on him. And that focus on him and seeing him react to that environment mm. is really like, how do you, like, you, you know, so Michael Bay has chaos. Like his yeah. whole thing is mayhem and chaos. Oh yeah. That's but we're always watching it from afar. Mm. Right. So we never really get a great scale of how it's affecting individual people. Very true. So I think that's mayhem and chaos used relatively well, but not appropriately to the story. Okay. And I think that in Children of Men, definitely does it's, it's chaos that it's on such a small scale that it's indicative of a bigger scale of problems, mm-hmm. but it's centered on the dramatic story of this character. Yeah. And that's why I think that Organize, it's not organized chaos that like chaos mm. works so well for that movie because yeah. it's focused on Clive Owen's character yeah. and his goal to get to the pregnant mm. uh, the pregnant girl yeah. the, the girl with the baby at this point yeah um, it, I think it's just like it, it works well dramatically it works well structurally and it looks amazing and just like the set piece is gorgeous yeah there was the thing about the um the no one having been able to have kids anymore mm-hmm. that's never super explained they have a, a lady that was a nurse in the hospital she kind of gives you a little exposition about what was going on there she says that um back in 2008 or so back mm-hmm. then that uh, people were having kids and then she had a, a miscarriage after miscarriage and then she was seeing a number of miscarriages happening and then she looked on her books to see what how many people were going to be delivering within the next three months seven months mm-hmm. and for the next seven months there was nobody on books that was pregnant she called one of her friends or whatever worked in another hospital mm-hmm. same thing she called to sydney australia same thing all the way around the world same thing they don't know why 
and um, another time when uh, Clive talks to who's the uh, the old the old white guy Michael Caine Jasper ja- yeah Jasper yeah mm-hmm. he talk he talks to Jasper and, Michael uh, Caine <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, he's um and I love his character ah uh, so I do I love Such him so much oh my goodness but um he he's talking to him and then he was like okay the human project gives us this great big dinner for all scientists and sages in the world they're tossing around theories about the ultimate mystery why are all the women infertile why can't we make babies anymore. So some say it's genetic experiments, gamma rays, pollution, same old, same old. So anyway, in the corner, this Englishman is sitting, and he hasn't said a word. He's just tucking in his dinner. So they decide to ask him. They say, well, why do you think we can't make babies anymore? And he looks up at him. He's chewing on this great big wing, and he says, I haven't the faintest idea, he said, but this stork is quite tasty, isn't he? <laughs> you know, and I loved that, you know, Such portion a of it. simple moment. Yeah. And it's like, we're not, it's just, they never flat out say this is the cause of not having children anymore. But the analogy, the metaphor of the stork and the bring of, of babies and birth and the birth giver, mm-hmm. you know, in that. And then the man has no regard for life, you know, that he's eating a stork specifically, yep. you know. So it's just like showing that this is what, why, not necessarily this isn't the end all be all of why women are infertile, but it's just, a small analogy of the treatment how men disregard you know human life or women and all things like that but um, yeah i i think there's that's part of why i like the joke sort of the symbolic the symbolic aspect of the joke is really interesting but i like that joke and that moment because it's indicative of a larger culture Mm -hmm. you know like it's because it's been happening for 18 years yeah i think yeah so like it's affected culture Mm -hmm. and uh to not include like when things like that tragedy happens it affects the way that people make jokes it affects the way that people talk yeah and especially when it's that universally prevalent yeah in the entire world like there are going to be jokes there are going to be things that center around that concept yeah um resources are are deplenishing yeah so we get suicide kids in case you don't want to live anymore yep um isn't that just like that's a fucking great detail yeah about just the world that they live in because it's a world that it's a world that has had consequences mm. through the ignoring of resource management mm. that has been going through earth of overpopulation yeah like you're so overpopulated that the government is telling you to kill yourself yeah it's fucking wild yeah and uh those are the tiny little details that i really appreciate from the movie um another scene that i really liked is when jasper when clive owen gets to the house and jasper and janice are like on the thing and there's a suicide kit on the couches and oh, like yeah, the floor. Yeah. And you think that Jasper killed himself. Yep, yeah. It's just like, what a fucking like yeah. that's a it's not a funny moment, but it's a moment of comedy. Yeah. In an otherwise really dramatic script that yeah. is very welcome. Yeah. And he's also taking the piss out of the movies where that would have been the thing that happened. Yeah. And then they would have had a dramatic confrontation there and whatnot. Yeah. Um, another moment where he takes the piss is when he first finds out that Key is pregnant. Mm. And then he goes like, it's like a little bit after. He goes like, so who's the father? And he's just <laughs> like, oh, I'm a virgin. And Clive's face just go like, what the fuck? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm just kidding. That would be crazy. We're like, yeah, it would be. <laughs> pretty wicked, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, those are the little things that I, that I feel make the world come alive mm. for this film a lot. And where I think that 
uh, Alfonso Cuarón's directing really, 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 really shines through. Yeah, there, there, it was a, another scene where it's like those messagings where um, our pregnant lady, she's there with the cows mm -hmm. and um, she, she wants to tell Clive Owen, you know, what's going on because Julianne Moore said, out of everybody, the only person you should be trusting is him. Right. And he still doesn't know why he's even with them in the first place. So um, she brings him there and she's standing there with some cows and she's going on this whole monologue about how cows have udders mm -hmm. and but she says tits. They have six tits but then they cut two of the tits off because their machines can only, you know, milk four of them at a time. Mm -hmm. So like, why don't they just make machines that can fit for six instead of cutting off two of them? It's like, what the hell is wrong with people? And it's just going back into that eating the stork. It's mm -hmm. like not having any kind of care or nurturing the thing that's actually giving life or birthing life into the world and just complete disregard for it and not caring so much. And then you have the woman here who she's up very much upset about it. She's about to bring life into the world and she's never seen it happen. Right. And she, what she says when she got pregnant, she's never seen a pregnant person. She doesn't know anything about it, but she feels like an innate something inside of her, you know, that what we're doing to these cows, how we're treating just life the, in general, Yeah, life in general, human yeah. life. There's also the, 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 refugee situation that harkens back to that too very much so you know I, I, I love that and the um the small we're talking about taking the piss out of a scene a little bit is um they're having the conversation and he still doesn't know she's pregnant and if it's your first time watching you don't know that she's pregnant possibly and then she starts unbuttoning her blouse and getting naked and then Cloud's like oh no no don't do not do that don't do that and it's like what the hell and then we pan back to her and then we see a pregnant baby I'm like oh okay yeah, all right and it's that is a gorgeous shot when like the reaction shot from that showing the belly to mm. but also that uh there's a lot of references that are really great in mm. that movie with the david there's a historical reference with the statue of david there mm. um there's also that reference with the pose that key holds when she shows him the pregnant belly mm. that's a it, it's a statue or a painting called venus of something okay and it's a classic Pose, like yeah. piece of art yeah it's a classic piece of art that harkens back to the goddess of fertility mm. um so like those are really references that are like really fucking cool that's nice but also like that reaction shot for clive owen's face when he finds he realized that he's pregnant yeah he's just in complete utter shock and he's just like oh fuck you're pregnant yeah and he doesn't move nope. he doesn't say anything and like the chaos from everyone else going into the barn comes in from behind them and joins him yeah. in the shot yeah which is i know that i'm like fucking just gushing over this camera work. Yeah, it's it's like good, it should though. be gushed. Out. Yeah, it should. Um, because I like, I feel like a director would have put that scene where we get the exposition about Dylan, his mm -hmm. kid, where he's telling it to Miriam, Jasper's telling the story to Miriam. Yeah. Um, I feel like that scene, we would have been in the living room with that scene, but we enter that scene through Clive Owen and he walks into yep. the periphery of that scene. Yep. And his li he's listening to it and chooses not to engage in the scene. Yeah. But we still get to watch the scene out of focus yep. in the background happening without us. Yeah. And I, I th and I think that's just such a beautiful way of like, first of all, keeping us linked to the main character, mm -hmm. and second of all, delivering delivering information in an interesting way, because um, these are actors that are not in the frame, they're no. not in the shot. Three of them we don't see their faces. Yeah. And it, it's just like it's just ah fucking so good, oh, so yeah. good. I, I like I like the linking up of a few a few things. There was um one line where they say I, I can't really remember when the last time anyone had any hope. I certainly can't remember when any of us did either. Because really, since women stopped being able to have babies, what's left to hope for? And then there's a radio announcer that says, and now for all the nostalgics out there, a blast from the past all the way back from 2003, that beautiful time when people refused to accept that the future was just around the corner. Yep. You know, when people still had hope, you know, that 
of anything, just had hope in general, yeah. you know, besides what was generally going to happen, what did happen. And we see, we get to see that visualized by the end of the movie. The end of the movie, there's complete chaos, you know, the last 30 minutes, mm-hmm. complete chaos, people dying left and right. There's people that's just halfway blown off blood everywhere as they're going through this building. And then you see the child. And everyone just stops. You see this hallway and everyone is just with all the gun. There's still bullets going right past them, like bullet holes right in front of them, right by them. And it's just no one is phased. They're just looking at this child. There's hope for life now that there can be a future for humanity. Mm -hmm. They all just stop there in awe. They finally get down the stairs and everyone is reaching out them like a a Jesus figure, you Mm -hmm. know, just putting their hands out, you know, just to be around it. By the time they finally get downstairs, then you see what is... Uh, it's the government, I guess. The government is there. Well, the when they're going through the hallway, like we first start seeing the refugees yep. reacting to the the child, yeah. and then the soldiers storming into mm-hmm. to kill all the refugees that are in the building. Yep. And then the moment that they see the child, everyone's just like, "Hey, stop firing! Yep. Stop! Yep. Do not fire! Yeah. Cease fire!" That- and then you just keep going, and just keep. It's like an effect where, like, where they keep walking with the child, mm-hmm. the fighting stops. Yeah. And it, it's just like. It's a gorgeously ethereal, surrealistic feeling to mm-hmm. that scene that is just absolutely just delightful to look yeah. at. And then it made it all the way into this street. Like, everybody yep. stopped fighting while yep. they were going down the street. Yep. And soldiers were just letting them through. Yeah, just looking. Yeah. Which harkens back to the thing where, like, at the beginning of the film, he's just like, just make it public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll bring back hope into people. It can work. Just make it public. Yeah. So it harkens back to the fact that Clive Owens was always kind of right about the way that this baby would affect humanity yeah it, it would have i thought about that a lot during the movie too and it's just like i'm still kind of iffy on that that if they would have just made it public in the first place because the people that they were with everyone had really their own agenda besides uh, julianne moore and uh, clive owen mm-hmm. and you know there was a few people that died along the way to help them get to that point yeah. but a lot of people had their own agenda so it's like i don't know what how the movie would have played out if they would have just announced it at the beginning yeah. what i liked what i did love was that they had to go through the the, the prison system and the sewers mm-hmm. they had to get to what was the worst place supposedly on earth or where they were in order to have this you know put this child into safety so i mean i love that aspect of it you know but i mean it's just like like i i mean that i didn't want it to make it public like that would have just not been i think a great it would have been an entirely different movie yeah but i mean that i love the 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 indication that that clive owens Owens was right in thinking that definitely so uh, by the end of the film because it it just unified everybody for those seconds that the baby was in view sure did and then Another thing that I found symbolically interesting is that as soon as the baby was out of view, the fighting started. Started right back. And, yeah. it, it, you know, it's just like sort of showing the attention span that humanity has for being unified. Yeah. Um, I, I really loved, I really loved that element of it. Did, did you catch when he got shot, when he was, um, when he was saving, getting her from the room? Okay, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. like, it's so quick and it's, they, they don't, they don't hark on it. They don't let you see that he got shot, really. It just, he backs up into a wall, kind mm-hmm. of, and then continues on. Yep. And we don't see until they're on the boat that the, bo- the boat, the bottom of the boat is just filled with blood. She thinks she's bleeding and she's about to die. I was like, oh, nope, that was him. But yeah, yeah I, I caught that too. But I was like, wow, I love that they didn't harp on that moment nope. at all. It was just an instant. Yep. And like, that's just really genius directing from someone to like, because you have the information, but you don't necessarily think about it until you have to, until the, until he wants you to think about it. And it's just, it's just great. It's just fucking great. Oh yeah. Uh, The one other shot that I really, really loved is the, when Miriam gets taken out from the bus by the cops. um, Yeah. Oh, the bus did Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, no. And they're like yeah. in the bus and yeah. they're just like pissed. And, uh, and she, has, yeah. she has to pretend that she's crazy in order to save the uh, the pregnant lady. What, does she have the baby at the time? No, no, she's pregnant. No, no, she's pregnant. In yeah. order to save her from getting getting off the, the mm. bus, yeah. 
So, but that shot was really great because we see her getting out and we see her through the window. Yeah. Still, like so, like another director would have cut away from that into Miriam from outside the bus, where you're still in Owen's perspective. Yeah. Watching through the window, and then the bus starts driving again. Yep. They put a bag over her head, mm-hmm. and then we and get keep moving. And yeah, and then we get a sequence of like three people: someone that's going through the exact same thing from the bus. Yeah. Someone with that are being uh, strip searched yep. and like sort of just dehumanized in front of a bus. Yeah. And then a bag like. Th- three or six bodies laying on the floor after just being executed. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, in that little bit of information, what's happening? Miriam's to not making it out. No, she's going to be one of those dead bodies. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a tiny shot, mm-hmm. but it just stuck out to me Yeah, as being absolutely ingenious. And, and because of that, there's the tension follows on, but even after they make it through that checkpoint, they get off the bus and then, um, they're going through these, um, these gated doors and then he has a watch on or yeah. some kind of something on his wrist. And he gets stopped. And I was like, oh, fuck. And, you right. know, she she keeps going. She's pushed with the crowd, and he can't get it off. He's, tr- he's struggling to get it off. I'm like, oh, frick, is he going to be detained, too? It's just, like, another thing along the line. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just, you. Well, I don't know. It's like, as you know that he's a main character, so you know he's not about to die right now. Right. But it was just the, the possibility, you yeah. know, of it is why I love the writing and, and that sequence. The tension, the tension of the film at any moment lets you to believe that. Uh, it can happen. It can, it can it's happen. It's possible, yeah. yeah. Um, which is genius for filmmaking because I feel like if there's no real risk to our story, yeah. to our main guy, then there's no point in watching the film. Yeah. Um, I I absolutely loved this film. Yeah. I think it's one of the best sci-fi films that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and I think the camera work is... I love Warners. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking love one takes. Me too. Uh, and I think, like, Spielberg has some great one takes. Yes. And I love his one takes. Oh, yeah. But there's something about Alfonso's one takes that just make me, how do I say it? They're like, they're great to watch, they're fun to watch, but they're so effective yeah. at conveying an emotion that he wants to convey yeah. that I just cannot help but just gush all over them. I agree. They're great. Um, Alfonso Cuaron is an amazing director. The mm. script for this, which I think he co-wrote with a bunch of other people. Yeah, it was. Um, he loosely adapted it off, off of a book, okay. and uh, him and someone else, they wrote the screenplay for it, yeah. Um, Absolutely delightful script. Absolutely amazingly structured film. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the best-looking films that I've seen in recent times. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a great sense of world-building yeah. in, the, in the film, I think. Those are the things i got to say about it. Uh, yeah, I'm about, I'm about to harp some praise on it, too. Mm-hmm. It came out in what, 2006. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the top five best films of the last 20 years. You know, like, I, I will stand by that. You know, yeah, no, out, I think I agree. You know, yeah. came out in 2006. It's one of the best top five films in the last 20 years. You know, as far as in my opinion, we've seen so many movies, you know, just on our own time and covering movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is, a, this is a great one. Yeah, absolutely. What would you rate it? Uh, nine out of ten. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to go. I, I'm finding it really hard to not give it a ten out of ten. Yeah, I'm finding it, it really hard to not give it a ten out of ten. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that there's just nothing in this movie... That even as someone that wants to do film, that I'd just be like, I think I had a significant problem with that. Yeah. There's just nothing, nothing. in the movie. No. So, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I'm not gonna mad at that I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Yep. I think that's the first 10 out of 10 for me in the for podcast. For any, anybody. I've yeah, never I done think it. so. Yeah. Um, so, Children of Men, an absolutely amazing film. Oh, yeah. If it's not considered a classic yet, it it'll will absolutely be. be a classic in the coming decade. Definitely. And uh, just a, an amazing film to watch, learn, and just consume. Yeah. It's really, 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 really good. It is. Um, with that being said, anything else you want to say about it? Oh, no, huh? It's great. Yeah, that's it? Cool. 
So we're going to cut and then we're going to talk about our television and movie premieres. Um, please, please, please do yourself the favor and watch Sugar and a Friend. Yes, yes. And uh, welcome back. Television and movie premieres. All Chris. right. Uh, this week in television and movie premieres uh, for Tuesday, January the 8th through Monday, January the 14th. We're in the new year now. Uh, the first oh, one's. Fuck, yeah, we are. Def 2019. 2019. The, uh, the first thing is going to be Thursday, January the 10th. Brooklyn Nine Nine is coming back for another oh. season. Mm-hmm. Is this the season that. So is this because they got canceled yep. and they got picked up by another network? Yep. Is this coming back from the new network? The new network now, okay. yeah. They got canceled by Fox and or FX, and now they're on ABC at 9 p.m. this Thursday, January the 10th. Nice. So it says it's going to be it's gonna be right in front of the good place. Uh, so good place is going to be 9.30, and this is going to be at 9 o'clock on NBC. I've been hearing, like, I know that you've, like, harped on the good, good place. place for yeah. being really good. Oh, yeah. But I've been hearing more and more about the good place being really good. Yeah. To the point where don't I'm watch like, it. A, it no, don't. You're, no, you're gonna be pissed off now because everybody's telling you how good it is and they right. can't live up to their expectation. And I'm telling you that season two was trash. Yeah, no, you, you know? did tell me season two was trash. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just keep hearing that it's a really good show. It is. Uh, yeah. So I might watch the first season. First season is really good. Yeah. It's it's one of those. Um, as soon as you're like, oh, I got it. There's not much you can. Do. It's it's like a. Um, it, it would be like an M Night Shyamalan movie. As soon as you get the twist, it's kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm good done. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The so. Village is not a great film. I think. <laughs> no. Knowing the twist, the happening, the village. I mean, he's the he, bees, man. We the, gotta take care of the bees. Yeah, he's, he's not great. Shut up, my <laughs> I made that exact same joke last episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's Thursday, January the tenth. Brooklyn Nine Nine is gonna be back this week. Uh, the next thing is Friends from College. It's a comedy drama on Netflix. They had the first season of uh, one last year on Netflix. It's good. Of show, if I'm going to give like a A B C D F, mm-hmm. is getting a B minus. Like it's okay. decent enough to watch. It, it kind of suffers from a very forgettable name, though. Friends from college, no, yeah. definitely so. Yeah, but um, who's in it? Fred Savage is in it, and uh, Key and Peele. It's only one of them, though. Keegan, which one? Keegan's the bald one. Yeah, Keegan. It's yeah. Keegan. Yeah. I guess I guess Jordan Peele. You know, people know his name individually now after Get Out. Like he's not Key and Peele. He's Jordan Peele. <laughs> you know, like Michael Keegan Key, he hasn't done enough to where it's like people talk about mm-hmm. him all the time uh, singularly. But yeah, he's been yeah he's been branching out in acting, but he mm-hmm. didn't take a career in directing like Jordan did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he's he's doing a really good job in this show, Friends from College. I I'm not about to put my my stamp of like an A on it, but like it's like a B minus. You won't okay. be super upset if you watch it. It's it's good enough. Uh, Friends from College. That's on the same day, Thursday, January the 10th. The next thing is Sunday, January the 13th. True Detective season three is coming out. For some reason, I thought they were in season four. Uh, no, nah, they, they took forever to come out with season three yeah. because season two was such a backwash piece of bullshit with uh, <laughs> Vince Vaughn. Like, fucking... It's like, maybe they forgot about it. If we just give it like two years, they'll forget <laughs> how bad season two was. <laughs> but yeah, season two was horrible. Like season one, they had, um, was it Woody Harrelson and, um, and uh, shoot. I can't remember who was in season one. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, maybe? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, all but, right, all right, hell yeah. all right. Season one was great. Season one was yeah. great. And then season two was like, oh, Vince Vaughn, no, bro, you ain't, mm Because like, we know him from that one character, the, the same character we've seen him in everything, from Swingers, from that damn, um, from uh, Wedding Crashers. To, yeah, he's that, like, he's that. He's that guy. He's yeah, the he's same, yeah, he's the same person everywhere. And then you try to put him in True Detective and have him playing like a very serious cop person, and it did not go over here's well. The, here's the thing. Because there's a movie called Brawl, uh, Brawl in South Block 99. Okay. 
Um, Jonathan talked about this film. Yep. The director's coming up with a new film in 2019. Okay. Um, that movie, Vince Vaughn plays the lead. He said he did a right job in that. N- not all right. He did fucking spectacular nice. in that role. Okay. Um, so, like, I know that Vince Vaughn can do it. Nice. Um, but it might just be a matter of, like, the people that are directing him mm-hmm. are not taking advantage of, like, how he could do it or maybe get him the wrong directions. Possible. Because I know that Vince Vaughn can do it because I saw him in that film. Okay. And he was absolutely amazing. Nice. Um, so, like, he's talented. Oh, yeah. He's talented. I just think that they want him to be that guy. And mm. then they want him, they know him as that guy, like the Wedding Crashers guy. Yeah. And then when they try to sell him a serious part. Yeah. They go like, yeah, but can you inject some of the wedding crashes? Oh, no, they, they, they didn't inject yeah. any of that. It was just so like 180 degrees different to where there was no room for any nuance. It's okay. just we're, we're going completely serious. And like a Matthew McConaughey, he can put a little nuance in there. But with this, maybe it was just the first time he was playing something so different mm-hmm. that it was just so the same thing that it was bland and boring and dry, right. you know, but like I, I, I 100% believe you on the movie. I still yeah. definitely want to see it. But as far as this true detective season two, I wonder what happened. Oh. I really do wonder what happened because, uh, fucking yeah. the guy's good. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, I like his work, but yeah, true detective season three is here though. Mahershala Ali is coming to hopefully save the series, the same, save nice. the franchise. So, um, maybe give it a chance again. I don't know. Oh, true yeah. detective. But that's a uh, Sunday, January the 13th. True Mahershala detective. Ali is a really good, actor he's one of the best out there i didn't get to see green book but i assume he did just as good a job as he always Mm -hmm. does um oh i seen something with him in a recently it's called uh, roxanne roxanne on uh on netflix it's about how uh, the rapper roxanne um whatever roxanne chantel Mm -hmm. becomes like the top of hip-hop in new york in the 80s interesting but um, Herschel Osley is in there he's really good but that is it for television and movies there are a few movies the first one is the upside it's a PG-13 movie, 125-minute runtime listed as a comedy drama. Um, it has Nicole Kidman, Kevin Hart, and Brian Cranston in it. That oh, is yeah. an odd cast. Um, it is an odd cast. Uh, I've seen the trailers. Mm. It's a like it's a movie about Brian, Brian Cranston is paralyzed and Kevin Hart becomes his caretaker. Yep. Um, it, it looks like a movie that would come out in January. You know, like a, just a feel-good, okay. go-watch movie. Yeah. doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look like it's bringing anything new to the table. Yeah, 56 Metascore. Like it's, no. eh. But it's a comedic look at the relationship between a wealthy man with a quadriplegia mm-hmm. and an unemployed man with a criminal record who's hired to help him. Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we know what this is. Yeah, All yeah. Right. We know the movie. We've seen it before. Yeah. It's just the novelty is, it's Brian Crass and, and it's Kevin With Kevin Hart. Hart. Yeah, and Nicole Kidman in there for good measure. Nicole Kidman in there, yeah, for good measure. Yeah. Uh, the next thing is A Dog's Way Home. It's a PG movie with a 96-minute runtime listed as an adventure family movie. The rundown is a dog travels 400 miles in search for her owner. Uh, it stars Bryce Dallas Howard and Ashley Judd. I don't know why that annoys me. What? That Just that plot synopsis. The like dog, dog, dog travels home. like 400 miles or whatever. Yeah. I, I, that just really... Not hard. realistic? Because <laughs> I've seen it happen. Yeah. It's not that it's not realistic, but it's like... Why make a movie about a dog that traveled 400 miles? Because people will pay to see it. I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's not going to be that yeah. great, I assume. But yeah, people love dogs. People love cats. They want to like, see it on TV and movies. Like animal movies have always been so weird to me. Yeah. They've always been such a weird niche of cinema. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I, are there are there any uh, animal movies that, you would, that you've watched that you would watch again? Uh, Airbud. Okay, Air I've Bud? seen that. I wouldn't I watch could, that again, I but I've Bud, seen that. Yeah. Uh, Marley and Me. Oh yeah, I never watched that. Yeah. Okay. I, I I wouldn't watch it for fun because yeah. I cried like a bitch the first time I watched it. Yeah, 
but Marley and Me, Airbud. Um, there's a couple of other movies that are like so, like there. Yeah. That are like marginally good. Okay. But like, fucking, just how hard is it to fuck? Like, it's a lot of production riding on a fucking dog, mate. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes they do a weird thing where they like animate parts oh, yeah, of the dog, to, but like the dog is like not animated. Yeah. And sometimes it's not great because they tend to be not super high budget films, mm-hmm. so you can tell the animation versus the live the action real, dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a weird production cycle, and I hope that this movie is okay. I but mean, I'm just weirded out by it. The the number one <laughs> thing that they say to uh, to not work with or to try not to work with are children and animals. Yep. And this movie is starring an animal, you know. So it's like they really feel like they're going to be able to cash in on this because the, the amount of work that they had to put into it, they know they're getting their money back, yeah. <laughs> you know. Because I mean, not from me, but they're going to get their money back tenfold. It's just a weird genre of fucking film, man. Yeah, I'm not doing it's it. It's like it's like that. It's like that and like gore horror for mm. me. Or like there are good movies in all of those genres. Yeah, that's all. But yeah. like, it's just such a weird that someone would specifically hearken to make that genre of film. It's just really weird to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't even have to have a plot. I think the people that enjoy that that movie don't even care about the story or the plot. They want to see those dogs and those animals and the love and all that stuff. And I it's think like, that's what gets to me. I mean, they might also because watch we, a Hallmark movie. Yeah, and, and but also we've got YouTube. Yeah, if you want to watch a cute dog. Yep. That's literally, literally how YouTube came up in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cute dogs and cats and maybe the occasional raccoon. Yeah. Just go do that, man. You can. Why are you paying $10 to see a cute animal on the screen? Hey, yeah. the, these production companies, <laughs> they know that people will. <laughs> and they do. So weird. It's like, look what they're doing on YouTube. If we make something in the movie theater, they're yeah. going to come to see this. Come. <laughs> and we make it in IMAX? Mm-hmm. Fucking 70 millimeter dog fur? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Let's do it. Dog mm-hmm. licks? <laughs> ultra high definition? Mm-hmm. Yes. And they put in like some of like, well, Ashley Judd was formerly America's Sweetheart, so they throw her in there. And then an up and coming America's Sweetheart and Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you they, they try to make this money. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is one of those movies that's like, like a marketing movie. Oh like yeah, they can market it. Yeah, they get it out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of the things like that they they um they uh, accuse Netflix of doing is uh, looking at analytics mm-hmm. of what people like and then just mashing it all together and be like, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. I feel like this is an analytics type movie, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. But uh, that, anyway. that was a uh, Dog's Way Home, and the last movie that's coming out this weekend is Replicas. It's a PG-13 movie, 107-minute runtime. It's a crime mystery science fiction thriller. A rundown is a scientist becomes obsessed with bringing back his family members who died in a traffic accident. Stars Alice Eve and Keanu Reeves. Uh, my boy Keanu. I like Keanu a lot. I, I really, really like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, that sounds like an interesting enough premise. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what uh, Whisk was trying to, Fisk was trying to do in Spider-Verse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah very much. So. Very much. I'm into it. I might check it out. Honestly, I might check it out just because of Keanu. I like Keanu. Yeah. The, these, this 5.6 out of 10 score is not super great for me. Yikes. But, I mean, if, if people come back and say, that, oh, Thomas uh, Middletech, the guy from, um, from what's the name, um, the HBO show about Silicon Valley? Oh, 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 yeah. oh yeah. He's in there. He's doing fucking Verizon commercials right now. Yeah, that's his yeah. life now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, you know, might be all right. But that's it. that is it for television movies. Cool. Um, man, I... We had we talked. We had a good talk. Oh, yeah. Good episode. Anything yeah. else you want to add? Uh, no, I think we did it. No, I think we did it. Yeah. I think we rocked it. Yeah, yeah, we rocked it. Cool. Then I'm going to go ahead and do the little sign-off. Hey. Um, 
thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Twitter at underscore the FFS Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS Podcast. You can find us on uh, iTunes Podcast app, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and pretty much every other podcasting app under the name for film's sake. Mm -hmm. And uh, my personal Twitter handle is at Brian Achilla. I'm at T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. Hey. And that's it for today's episode. We will see you next week. And please watch Children of Men. Yes. Please do it. Bye. Bye.